Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the NJC podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Jackson Monocle, and I'm a representative from Italy, and I have two distinguished guests with, here with me, uh, and you guys can just say where you're from. Hi, I'm Nova in Japan. Hi, I'm Corey Siegel, and I'm representing the United States. Awesome. Um, I'm so happy to have you guys here with me. Um, so let's just get right into it, shall we? Yep. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's let's learn a little history about the coronavirus in Italy. So the first instance was on January 30th, uh, 231,700 confirmed cases of coronavirus in Italy, according to the Italian Department of Civil, Civil Protection. Um, as of Thursday afternoon, 33,142 people have died and 151,000 have recovered, which is, you know, a good thing. Uh, so let's see. Uh, in early May, on Monday, restaurants, bars, hairdressers, and beauticians uh, reopened as long as they observed social distancing and strict hygiene protocols. Um, this uh, courtesy has been extended to religious celebrations, again, assuming that they follow uh, all health and safety protocols. And the only reason that Italy started to kind of open back up is because they've actually had a big flattening of the curve because they were hit so hard um, there are reduced rates uh, of coronavirus in Italy. In 2019, Italy's GDP was 2,000,000,000 euros and had a growth rate of 0.3%. Italy's GDP has a year-on-year change of negative 4.7%, so the, the GDP has gone down since last year. Uh, Italy faced a technical recession in the end of 2019 with two or more months of declining GDP. GDP fell 0.2% from October to December. So coming into the coronavirus, Italy wasn't really in the best place economically. And funny enough, Italy forecasted a 1.7% growth in GDP in 2020, only to be hit by, you know, the everything that's happening in the world. So Eurozone countries aren't really set up to have uh, government debt piles higher than 60% of their GDPs, GDPs and public deficit higher than 3%. And as of right now, Italy, uh, the public debt is 134% of its GDP, which I think might reach critical mass soon and definitely isn't uh, good for the country. Um, this is its highest um, public debt opposed to its GDP since World War II. Um, and although running, you know, a debt in a recession can be a good thing, you know, to try to like stimulate the economy, like they might be in wherever their heads. So we'll see what has to happen with that. So Italy's unemployment rate has decreased actually from 9.5% in January 2020 to 8.4% in March 2020, which I found really interesting because I would expect unemployment to go up, but Italy has been able to combat against that, I suppose. The number of unemployed people fell 267,000 to uh, 2.132 uh, million. Uh, the employment rate, one of the lowest in the euro area, not the unemployment rate, but the employment rate actually went down to 58.8% from 58.9%. So at first I was really confused because um, I was, I didn't know how the unemployment rate could go down and the employment rate could go down, but I've found that it's because a large portion of Italians have left the workforce, so that doesn't count towards either of the numbers. Um, the Italian CPI was 102.9 in January and has risen uh, 0.1 points to 103 in April. Uh, the Italian inf inflation rate was 0.5% in January and is actually 0% as of April. 
so let's get into fiscal policies that they've implemented. So the Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conti, I believe it's pronounced, vowed Monday to deploy a massive shock therapy in the form of economic stimulus. So they started this by offering tax extensions for for cash-strapped businesses. Um, The Italian government pledged last week to spend 7.5 billion euros uh, or 8.5 billion USD to reduce the economic impact of the outbreak. Um, They have since adopted a 25 billion uh, euro plan um, for the Cura Italia emergency package, um, it includes funds to strengthen the Italian healthcare system and civil protection, measures to preserve jobs and income and support income of laid off workers and self-employed people, and other measures to support um, businesses in general, including you know tax deferrals and postponement of utility bills. Italy has put into place uh, quite a few monetary policies to help the economy out as well as including um, additional asset purchases of 120 billion euros until the end of 2020 under the existing program APP and uh, temporary additional auctions of the full allotment fixed rate temporary liquidity facility at the deposit facility rate and more favorable terms on existing targeted long-term refinancing operations. So um, on May 20th, 2020, to promote the use of credit claims as collateral and to incentivize lending to small and medium-sized enterprises, the Bank of Italy has extended the additional credit claim uh, frameworks to include loans backed by COVID-19 related public sector guarantees. And I think this is all really important. However, um, many of the relief programs are being issued to the Italian people and businesses. Um, this is a great thing, and I think will it, it will help stimulate the economy. However, the Italian banks are what might continue to hinder the Italian co- economy. Um, here's a quote from Nicola Bori, a finance professor at Luis uh, University in Rome. It's likely that banks will need to be rescued. The economy has basically been stopped. We are probably going to we are probably going to see massive defaults. Clearly, Italian banks will be badly hit. So, the Italian banks for a long time have had a really bad reputation. However, anxieties about them kind of subsided. So, basically. Uh, total bad loans in the system had shrunk from 350 billion euros in 2015 to less than 200 billion by the end of 2018, um, according to the Bank of Italy. However, this was not enough to uh, bolster the system uh, to combat against the all the negative things that the coronavirus has brought. So basically, um, by February 2019, Italian banks had increased their holdings of Italian government bonds by 14% over the previous year. According to Moody's, the credit rating agency that uh, revived concerns about the so-called doom loop, the intertwining of the government's financial health and that of banks uh, creates fear about the reinforcements of each other. So if the government fails, the banks will fail. And if the banks fail, the government will absolutely fail said before, the Italian government debt exceeds 130% of its annual economic output. So I don't think this is sustainable for the banks to be continuing on this path. And hopefully the government can implement more policies to help the banks out and not just businesses and people. Um, So that was what I researched about Italy. And I'm going to Yeah, so um, regarding Japan's economy with the impact of the coronavirus. So um, before COVID Uh, 19 even hit, Japan was doing relatively well. Um, But when the coronavirus hit China, this obviously would um, cause Japan's economy to struggle. Uh, So this was because exports were plummeting due to the slow demand that came from China. 
Um, and there was a great tax increase that left a lot of consumers out of stores and uh, left them in their homes. So the economic output contracted 7.1% in the last quarter of 2019. Um, and Japan was actually set to open the year with one of the worst performances among the world's major economies without the impact of the coronavirus on their own country. This was just when the coronavirus hit China. Before January, um, before the coronavirus even hit Japan, the CPI was 102.3 points. Before the coronavirus hit, the GDP was 5.11 trillion U.S. dollars. Um, so some problems that arose with the coronavirus in the economy was that trade slowed as other nations came to a standstill. There wasn't as much exporting. There wasn't a lot of importing. Um, Tourism became practically non-existent, as you could probably uh, assume. There were a lot of bankruptcies of hotels, restaurants. Obviously, tour operators were going out of business. Um, large sports uh, and cultural events were canceled, and even the Tokyo Olympics were postponed. And this required a lot of money and time, and it delayed the expected economic boost that was to come with all of these events. Japan's economy, which is the world's third largest economy after the U.S. and China, is actually facing severe circumstances due to the pandemic. Um, and the economy shrank at an annual pace of 3.4 percent in the, only the first three months of 2020. So this 3.4 percent fall in growth domestic product um, for the first three months of 2020, it was followed by a 6.4 percent decline during the last quarter of 2019. Um, which pushed Japan into a technical recession. Um, so consumers in Japan have been hit by the dual impact of the coronavirus. And also there was a sales tax hike to 10% uh, to from 8% in October. Um, analysts that were polled by Reuters expect that the country's economy is to shrink 22% during the April to June period which is a lot, and it would be its biggest decline on record. Um, so overall, Japan has had more than 16,000 confirmed corona cases and around 740 deaths, which isn't a lot compared to other nations, but this is considering that Japan is pretty small. So um, now let's discuss some fiscal policies that were implemented. So um, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe uh, launched nearly a $1 trillion stimulus package to battle the pandemic's financial fallout. The government plans to boost bond issuance to a five-year high of 147 trillion yen, which is equivalent to about $1.35 trillion. This is uh, about 30% of the size of Japan's economy, and this is needed to pay for the stimulus. Um, so, Japan actually did not go into a full national lockdown, but they did issue a state of emergency in April, which severely affected supply chains and businesses in the trade-reliant nation. Uh, later, Prime Minister Shinzo Abe pledged a second budget um, to fund fresh spending measures to cushion the economic blow of the pandemic. Um, now to talk about some monetary policies implemented, um, the Bank of Japan uh, actually eased monetary policy in March by pledging to boost purchases of assets ranging from government bonds, commercial paper, corporate bonds, and trust funds investing in stocks. So the policies implemented in Japan were actually quite effective. 
um, Japan's economy actually opened back up on May 25th. Um, and Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has announced the end of his state of emergency declaration for the novel coronavirus pandemic, ending with just 851 deaths reported and without ever having to implement a lockdown. There is a general cleanliness ingrained in Japan's culture. So uh, because of that cleanliness, the economy is less likely to suffer than uh, other economies. Um, so Abe said, I have decided to end the state of emergency across the nation. Um, and he said that in just over a month and a half, we have almost brought the infection situation under control. Abe's policies that he implemented were extremely effective in comparison to other nations, and they came out of the um, crisis of the pandemic very quickly, and I expect that their economy will have a boost very soon. Um, so that is it for Japan. Um, now I can pass it off to Corey, who will talk about the United States. All right. Thanks, Nova. Very interesting. So for the United States, President Trump declared a national emergency in response to the coronavirus epidemic on March 3rd. Um, unfortunately, since then, we have just surpassed over 100,000 deaths. Um, so at the end of March, um, 42 states and more cities and counties were under stay-at-home orders. So a total of 308 million people, or about 94% of the U.S. population, was on lockdown. So right now we are still at peak um, number of contracting cases um, or at a plateau. We have not declined in cases since. And unfortunately, the New York Times reports that unemployment has passed 40 million people in the United States. So this is the biggest spike in unemployment in U.S. history, according to NBC. So pretty shocking. Um, the U.S. is definitely struggling in terms of getting people jobs and as a result, GDP is suffering. Um, as I mentioned, throughout 2019, in the months prior um, to the virus up until March, the American economy was doing really well. U.S. GDP was at $21.44 trillion in 2019 and was leading the world with the strongest economy. Um, so BBC reports that throughout this year, um, data shows that an annual average growth of 2.3% was occurring and that the U.S. ended their quarter with a 2.1% growth. So the U.S. economy was doing really, really well throughout 2019 and just before the coronavirus really hit hard on the U.S. In January this year, the unemployment rate was 3.6%, which is extremely low considering that the all-time low was at 3.5% in December of 1969. Um, and the Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that unemployment rose to 146 According to the Bureau of Economic Analysis from the U.S. Department of Commerce, personal income had been on a rise across all of the states. After increasing 5.6% in 2018, it increased 4.4% in 2019, largely due to increases in earning, earnings, property income, and transfer receipts. However, in the first quarter since 2019, GDP has fallen at an annual rate of 5%. And this is a bigger decline than the 4.8% drop first estimated a month ago, um, which is what the Commerce Department reported. So this was the biggest quarterly decline since the 8.4% fall in the fourth quarter of the 2008 uh, um, Great Recession. So this is a pretty serious issue for the U.S. economy right now. 
So consumer spending, which accounts for about 70% of U.S. GDP, plummeted at a 7.6% rate in the first quarter, which is the most since 1980. Personal income decreased 2.0% in March after increasing 0.6% in February. Wages and salaries, the largest component of personal income, decreased 3.1% in March after increasing 0.5% in February. So all of this economic damage comes as a result of the lockdowns that shut down large portions of the economy and caused the layoffs of millions of workers. This would be the biggest quarterly decline on record since 1947 and four times the size of the previous largest drop in 1958. And so the coronavirus pandemic is likely to trigger the sharpest recession in the United States since the Great Depression. So talking about CPI, um, CPI uh, remained pretty normal up until February, which is which I found pretty surprising since um, the coronavirus really hit hard only a month later. So the consumer price index in February, economists believe that this will further cause the GDP to sink at an annual rate of 40% in the current quarter, which is really, really severe. Only rose about 0.1%. And over the last 12 months, all items had increased 2.3% before seasonal adjustment. So pretty normal, pretty standard. However, the CPI in April 2020, was 256.389 in comparison to the year 1984. So the consumer price index declined at 0.8% in April, which was the largest monthly decline since December 2008, which again was during the Great Recession. So the main cause of this decline was a 20.6% decline in the gasoline index since people are staying at home and not really driving. And this was the largest contributor to the monthly decrease in seasonally adjusted items. Um, however, indexes for apparel, mo- motor vehicle insurance, airline fares, and lodging away from home all fell sharply as well. But um, one thing that did rise was food. Um, as the energy index declined, um, food rose. So the U.S. has also been implementing a lot of important fiscal policy. So as I mentioned before, on March 3rd, Trump declared a national emergency in response to the coronavirus epidemic. So this declaration allows for the administration to use um, the Stafford Act, which is a federal law governing disaster release efforts. So um, this is expected to make $50 billion in emergency funding available to states and territories. On March 6, $8.3 billion emergency coronavirus aid package um, was signed by the president. And at least $1.05 billion of this previous package will go to state, local, and tribal efforts. On March 18th, the family's first coronavirus aid package was signed into law. And this includes free virus testing for those who are uninsured, emergency paid sick leave, um, expanded family medical leave programs, unemployment assistance, um, food aid, and federal funding for Medicaid. The third phase of federal coronavirus relief The Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Securities Act was signed into law on March 27th, and this is the CARES Act, and this is the really big $2.2 trillion package that is um, aimed to battle the harmful effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, and this is the biggest fiscal stimulus package in modern American history, so it's a really big deal. So this CARES Act includes economic impact payment, um, which are the stimulus checks that millions of Americans are receiving. So more than 130 million of these um, $1,200 stimulus checks have been paid out. 
state and local governments will receive $150 billion through the Coronavirus Relief Fund, a $484 billion Paycheck Protection Program, and Healthcare Enhancement Act has been signed into law on April 24th. And this package provides $310 billion in funding to replenish the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program. So this money is aiming to really help small businesses get the support that they need financially so that they won't close. Um, however, the Paycheck Protection Program did run out of funding um, a few weeks after the program was initially created through the CARES Act. So this measure also includes $75 billion for hospitals, $25 billion for COVID-19 testing, and $60 billion for emergency disaster loans and grants. And the House recently passed the second stimulus bill, um, though this has not yet been signed into law. So for monetary policy, the Fed has been pretty reluctant to lower the federal fund rate in previous years. So over the past two years, they lowered the rate from 2.25% to 2% in August 2019. And they had a few more minor cuts in the into the fall. For monetary um, action from the Fed to take place is a pretty big deal. So the first monetary policy action took place on March 3rd. The Federal Reserve released a statement saying that the fundamentals of the U.S. economy remain strong, but there were several risks. So they cut the federal fund rate to um, half a percent which is a pretty stark contrast to what it was previously. And this, was, this move was the first such cut since, de since December 2008 during the financial crisis. Um, and this um, came as a result of Wall Street um, volatility and President Trump um, heckling the Federal Reserve to lower their rates in order to stay competitive with policy and other um, global central banks. On March 16th, the Fed actually took one more dramatic step and lowered the federal fund rate to 0%. And Forbes state, states that the goal of interest cuts is to bolster confidence in the economy, encourage companies to hire more people, and consumers to spend more money in this case. The economy is strong, but the coronavirus poses evolving risk to economic activity. Off of federal fund cuts, the Fed indicated that it would buy at least $700 billion worth of treasury bonds and agency-backed mortgages. Um, and said that this, the final amount they invest could actually be bigger. And this would allow um, U.S. banks to uh, borrow more money directly from the Fed, which would, as Forbes stated, bolster the economy. So the Fed is making more money digitally through bonds. And since mid-March, the Treasury has uh, $1.4 trillion in the Treasury. The overall effectiveness of policies implemented, it is still a bit too early to tell since we haven't received a lot of data back. Uh, 130 million Americans uh, have been given $1,200 stimulus checks. This allows them to pay for um, necessities such as rent, power. It is not enough to keep them. Uh, but surprisingly, the U.S. has not had a complete crash of the stock market, which is a good sign. Um, it may indicate that the quick fiscal measures taken by the U.S. have been effective. So float during this time, but it is something. A lot of people are still getting checks now, so there's a lot of data that is not present. The still in lockdown, but um, some states like Alabama, um, Missouri, and um, other southern states are starting to open up again and are allowing restaurants, salons, and businesses to open up. A lot of people say that this is premature and that this could further have a negative economy, but since there is no national lockdown, it looks, that, looks like a lot of states will be opening up at, as of the end of May. 
All right. All right. Thank you, you, Jackson. Thank you. This has been lovely. And real quick, I just want to get your guys' opinions. Which, out of the three of us, which uh, country do you think has been the most affected and the least affected? Thank you. Hey, thank you so much <laughs> for joining me, you guys. And thank you at home for listening, Miss Wynn. Um, By far, I think the United States has been the worst. <laughs> I was pretty on top of it. I concur. I think that Japan's response was really good. Um, and the U.S. is really lacking. So thank you for joining me on the NJC podcast. We will see you all next week when we talk about um, potatoes. Yes. Potatoes. Thank you so much. Goodbye. <laughs>